It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to BGN Radio. I said it a year ago, I thought Odell Beckham was the best player in the draft. I was right. We didn't have a chance to get an Odell Beckham, but, you know, a lot of it depends on where you're selecting. Right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. We have uh, made it to a very entertaining uh, episode number 92 right here on BGN Radio. Matt Daring, uh, Patrick Wall uh, joining us, of course, as always. I am John Barchard. Uh, we are going to be, uh, you know, talking about the, the press conferences of both Mr. Lori and uh, Mr. Kelly, as uh, I don't think we learned a lot more, but it was highly entertaining. And, of course, we'll also be talking to uh, a Mike K. BGN and BGN Radio favorite, uh, Taylor Hineke. Uh, quarterback from Old Dominion as he uh, joined us not too long ago and we'll uh, get his perspective. I actually really wanted to know uh, what uh, what the... I think he, he played a game against New Hampshire, uh, Chip Kelly Connection, uh, and it was like 64 to 61, so I definitely want to ask him about that uh, and all that craziness and uh, basically how he, you know, how he's kind of taking it on from uh, going from the East-West Shrine game and uh, not being invited to the Combine and all that good stuff, so we'll catch up with him, but... Uh, uh, Patrick, would start out with you. I mean, it's kind of, I don't know, just like I said, I don't, I don't think we learned anything more uh, uh, about uh, what, what's exactly going on. I think Chip Kelly gave uh, a lot of great bob and weaves uh, answers today. Uh, what was your overall uh, feeling? Did you learn anything new? Uh, I don't think I learned anything new. I think uh, we got some some new fodder for some speculation. I think... Uh, the beauty of one of, of one of these kinds of press conferences is that you can kind of pull out of it what you want. Um, my big takeaway was uh, that they really want to draft a receiver or receivers in this draft, uh, which I don't think is terribly surprising to anyone who's paying attention. 
And also, I think uh, Michael Kendricks has played his last snap as an eagle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. But those are two things that we probably could have talked about before today. Sure, sure. So, yeah, yeah it, I, I don't think there was anything anything especially illuminating. Yeah, and the, uh, Elliot Shore Parks even pointed out, just like, you know, when he, when he was questioned about Sam Bradford and the health and all of that going forward, he was all about the sports science and then asked about Michael Kendricks, and he's like, well, you know, when he was off the field, it really hurts. <laughs> So, yeah, it's just that you can always tell uh, when Chip really likes what's happening and, and what he, you know, what what's not going on, I think, by those answers. But, uh, yeah, Matt, same thing. Did you learn anything anything new today? Well, I really liked the uh, the quote he had about how, um, you know, oh, yeah, well, we got three inside linebackers in only two spots. And Chip goes, huh. <laughs> I hadn't, really thought, hadn't really thought about that. It just hadn't occurred to me at all. You know, like, yeah, I bet. And of course, nobody challenged him on that because they're too busy trying to figure out who ordered the code red on Tom Gamble. But um, <laughs> who did it? Who, the fans want to know. Yeah, who and, hired and, him? And guess what? His boss fired him. Whoa! No. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, but I, I, um, I thought that was kind of funny. I mean, I, I agree, with Patrick. I think that yeah, I think the writing's on the wall there. I don't know what Kendricks did. I think his on-field stuff is fine. So you know, who knows what else that is? If it's a health issue or it could be something. Uh, something else, but dancing uh, around that one pretty well, just like Chip <laughs> Kelly. There, man. <laughs> I've been uh, taking the, the salsa lessons. Um, I also, um, well, uh, I think a lot of people, um, some people might know that uh, Evan Mathis and I are, know each other at least kind of. He's he's helped me out with tickets and a few other things. So I thought it was nice to hear that um, that he was seeking a trade rather than he was being shopped. Um, so that, that sort of gives me some hope that if they if find this, the trade market is bare and, and it very well might be that he might be on the team next year. I don't know why he would be requesting a trade. Uh, anybody? I mean, Patrick, any reason why you would request a, tra- a request a trade at this point? Well, uh, I'm, I should probably let the uh, Evan Mathis authority handle this one, but I'll I'll give it my best shot. I think it's probably money. <laughs> sounds like a uh, sounds like a bad government office. <laughs> The Office the, of Evan Mathis Affairs. The EMA, the Evan Mathis yeah. Authority. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think it's probably a money thing. I mean, we heard last uh, offseason that, that Evan was looking for money. And even at the time that that report came out, Chip said, you know, I don't really blame him. Um, but, you know, he is projected to be the oldest starting guard in the NFL. And uh, as good as he is and as much as PFF and, and advanced SAS love him, um, you know, I don't know what the market is going to be. And at a certain point, it doesn't matter what the return is. If the best you can get for him is a sixth round pick, why would you trade him? Yeah, I, I, I guess I don't understand that either. And there were all, all the rumors of, uh, you know, if they don't, if they seek a trade that they might cut him and all this other stuff. I, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense right now, at least. You know, it's uh, it, it, a lot of this doesn't make sense. But w- one thing I did take away from from this, and this is just kind of look, I, I don't know what it's like to be around him at a breakfast table for an hour. So especially when it is intimidating and there's a, there was already kind of a precursor to what I'm about to talk about here, but um, I can't remember if it was Les Bowen or whoever, but they were leading him right down the trail to Mariota land. I mean, it was right in front of him. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. And I'm pretty sure Sal Palantonio went from Mariota and quickly switched it over to a Connor Barwin contract. <laughs> and I was like, what? What just happened? You, you, the, the dangling carrot was right there in front of him to kind of lead him down that way. And I don't. I, I guess I, I understand 
that every different writer has whatever story they're going after and that they wouldn't want to like you know conspire or you know do anything but it just makes sense to me that like before then maybe get together and be like okay you know what would bust this thing wide open why don't we why don't we at least try and get a couple of Mariota answers out of this guy because we're not going to talk to him for the next you know couple of months until the until the draft happens here and it seemed like nobody nobody was willing to really attack it and I kind of find that I found that a little curious and and frustrating uh but um you know and uh, Matt what did you think of 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 the press conference in general do you think everybody kind of did a, a pretty good job a- asking questions do you think there was some things that kind of got left unsettled that shouldn't have been no, I don't really think that they did a very good job. I mean, it was nice that they checked in with a lot of people. Like, they got a lot of breadth there. But I think the stuff that they went in depth on was not the stuff that I was really curious about at all. You know, I, I and I, I understand that the stuff that we're probably all really curious about, they're, they're just absolutely going to clam up on it. But if you could get him, if you could trick him into saying something about Mar- Mariota, uh, that would have been neat. And instead, I get to hear more about Connor Barwin got a raise. Good for him. Uh, <laughs> it's no, not I don't, consistent it's, with the philosophy, Matt. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Um, I actually, I mean, it is nice that they give out raises. I mean, that's the sort of thing. I mean, hell, I think that's that's really all that Evan Mathis is looking for. But um, uh, yeah, who knows? I, I would have, I would have liked to hear heard more about about Mariota, about draft plans, about about stuff like that. Yeah, and there was an uh, even with that. I mean, there was another question. And again, I forget who asked it because it was just kind of a everybody was spitballing there for a while. Somebody had asked, "Are you comfortable with Sam Bradford under a one year contract?" And his answer was just simply, I am comfortable with him at quarterback. Like, and it, and it went right to the next question. Again, there's another hole there of just like, that's not, he answered, he didn't answer the question really. You know, so it's just like, I, I and I know Shio Kapati had tweeted out that, yes, maybe, maybe it's time to start closing the book on Mariota. And I think a lot of us have moved on from them. I still think it's a little bit open here, but maybe plan B is already in effect here, Patrick. And are you feeling that it is like they've already moved on they've tried every window they've tried to talk to whoever is is a willing partner and now they're just going to stick with sam bradford draft somebody in the later rounds and go with go that route do you feel more or less that that's what's happening right now uh not really to be honest i think you have to do your due your due diligence and one of the things that i think ends up being really important on draft night especially on the first night is your ability to be flexible so if Chip is really going after Mariota and that's really who he wants to come out of this draft with, um, as we've been hearing since February, basically, <laughs> you have to call all the teams. You got to call everybody in the top 10. You got to say, what's it going to take? And you might not get a deal done, but at least you have some sort of idea of what they're thinking or what they want you to think. So say Mariota falls to four instead of panicking and thinking to yourself, oh, God, what do we do now? We only ever talk to Tennessee. You have a plan in place so that, you know, if that does happen, you can call up Oakland and say, all right, well, what do you want to do? Here's what we had talked about before. Where are you thinking now? So it's the ability to be able to kind of maneuver on the fly um, that, you know, that's what these conversations at the owners meeting are going to be about. It's what we've been sort of hypothesizing has been happening all offseason. I don't think, um, you know, the current way the winds are blowing this week necessarily means that 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 anything like that is dead. So, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I, I don't think it's dead. I think it's I think it's dead with Tennessee and the Bucks. Um I think the market is a little softer than we think. 
Um, and I think it looks like that Tennessee is trying to draw attention to that fact, and they've, they've done that pretty well this week. I, you know, not necessarily that it's an Eagles move up, but I, I think that there is not a lot of folks willing to move up for this guy, which, and if you know that, I mean, basically Tennessee already had that flag back in December. So, I, you know, I, I think there are a lot of people correctly saying that it would really shock them if Tennessee took it. Jacksonville's out at that point. Oakland's out at that point. Um, I forget who's drafting at five. Oh, the, the Redskins. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, again, I, I don't see them making that move either. Uh, but, you know, some people have speculated that that might be happening. The Jets not really. The Bears, I could see doing it. Uh, so, I, I don't know. Is it? Is it? Are you feeling, uh, Matt, are you feeling better that it's it's just time to move on and and you know respect the other guys that we've been looking at here on all the wide receivers and all that. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> I mean, at, you get you get a little fatigued, right? I I still think. I mean, until he takes a snap for another team, I don't know. I keep saying I got a picture of Eli Manning holding up a Chargers jersey and smiling his big stupid smile, but um, <laughs> I you know anything anything could happen. Uh, I certainly think that if Chip wants it, I mean, there's nothing stopping him. Uh, I, I will say this too: um, I, the the Tennessee Titans right now are in a similar position that the Rams were in in 2012, in that they hold the second pick in a two quarterback draft and aren't necessarily looking to lock into a quarterback with that pick. Um, so if the Eagles do want to move up to that pick, they're going to be going 18 spots, and they're also going to be competing with other teams. But uh, John, you and I were talking about this today, actually, a little bit. Um, if the Jason Lock and Four article saying, you know, there are a potentially five or six teams who would be interested in moving up to number two is true at all, that to me reads like the Titans are underwhelmed with what they've been offered for the pick. So oh, they're yeah. trying to generate a little bit of interest. Uh, but like Matt said, that that is why you do your diligence now so that you have a framework in place and you can say, OK, well, they wanted this many picks and this many players for the number two spot. We're not willing to do that. So come draft night, if they're kind of hesitating and you get a call from Tennessee and they say, all right, nobody's biting. What do you want? You're at, you're not starting from from square one and you have you have a plan in place. So um like Matt said, until until he's taken a snap in in Nashville, all bets are off. Yeah, I'm. So, I, I know people think are hearing it, but it's just I Tennessee is not going to take him. Even if they don't have if they don't have buyers, they're not going to take him. I, I and I, I'd be willing to bet a pretty good chunk of money that that doesn't happen. So uh, it, again, if the, if everybody else knows that, I think it's I think the market is pretty soft <laughs> and it'll be it'll get an interesting draft night i mean you know it, it would have to end up getting down to that 8 to 12 range um i really don't think they do want to move bradford but i don't think that they you know are are so glued into him as uh you know as a whatever you lose a second rounder for next year if the browns if, if somehow he gets down to the browns and they say sam bradford sam bradford uh maybe but everything here is a long shot uh, before we get into more, because I know we want to keep uh, keep going and get into some comments that uh, Jeffrey Lurie made and uh, Chip's girlfriend <laughs> and all that other crazy stuff. Uh, but uh, we'd like to welcome in right now on the Duncan Philly Hotline, as uh, Mike Kay and I both said, that with them and Taylor Henneke, uh, the quarterback from Old Dominion, uh, joining us right now. Uh, Taylor, how are you this afternoon? Good. How are you? Uh, doing great. Uh, first thing I got to ask you is, you know, I, I think it was a couple of years ago, 
I, I look at your stat line, 55 of 79, 730 yards, five touchdowns, and it just happens to be, uh, you know, have ha- against some Chip Kelly ties in the with uh, the University of New Hampshire. Tell us what that game was all about. How did the how did that uh, sixty four to sixty one game kind of uh, flow? Yeah, it was uh, it was unbelievable. Um, you know, we had we were down by twenty four points in the first half, and um, we I knew from then on out, coaches didn't call pass plays the whole game. And um, at that time, we were kind of like at Oregon. We were very fast tempo, and we threw the ball almost every play. So uh, we we were a quick hit offense. We had a lot of playmakers at receiver. So. Uh, we knew we could score in one or two, three plays if we had to. So, um, um, the whole second half, we threw we threw the ball, and uh, I knew something was special. And when uh, after the third quarter, I looked up at the, the scoreboard, and um, the box score was up, and I had about 500 yards passing after the third quarter. And um, the whole fourth quarter, we just threw, scored about 20, 28 points that quarter, and we ended up winning the game. And I think my quarterback coach was more excited about the the record than I was. Uh, You know, as John alluded to earlier, you know, I'm a big fan of yours, uh, shamelessly, honestly. Uh, But, uh, you know, my – what I take away most from your tape is your footwork. You've got terrific footwork. How important as a quarterback is footwork? Uh, It's huge. Um, You know, when when you're in the game, everything's timing. Um, and, and, And with timing comes footwork. Um, if you have poor footwork and, or if you're slow with your footwork, you're, you're going to be late on throws. Um, and, and with myself being the size that I am, um, I need my, my feet to be as fast as possible so I could uh, get my hips to the throw. If, if I'm just using my arm to make throws, I usually can't make all those throws. So um, footwork for, for myself and all the other short quarterbacks, you watch Drew Brees, he has great footwork, um, um, as well as Russell Wilson. So for our short quarterbacks, footwork is a must. And you know, uh, Taylor, is it one of the guys? You know, I'm sure you're just as disappointed as as we all are. We really wanted to see in the combine. Did that? Did you kind of feel a little slighted that you didn't get an invite to kind of show what you could do on that level? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember the day I called them, and they they told me straight up. They were just like, "We didn't feel like you deserved to be there." So um, ever since then, I you know had a little fire in my heart. Um, I was watching watching the combine that day and the quarterbacks, and I felt like I could have been up there um, with my times. All those times they had, I felt like I could have been at the top, top five and all those. So, um, you know, that just puts more more emphasis on my pro day, and I'm excited to show the scouts what I can do at pro day. While you didn't get to be at the combine, uh, you were at the East-West Shrine game. What was that like? Was that an intimidating process, being around kind of guys from bigger schools and coaches that you'd grown up watching? No, I mean, it was it was exciting. Um, again, I I grew up watching those teams, and, uh, and, and it was cool. Just to, you know, I never got the chance to play against any of those guys. Um, never got the chance to play with any of those guys. So uh, watching those games on primetime TV after my games, it, it was pretty cool to play with them. And um, the, the week went great. I feel like I did great at practice. So it was probably one of my strongest weeks. Um, unfortunately, I didn't really show on, on Saturday at the game or Sunday at the game, but um, and the practice went well. And, yeah, it was it was it was pretty hectic during the week. You'd wake up around six or seven, get ready for practice, come back, uh, watch some film, eat, and then you have pretty much interviews with teams for about three or four hours at night, and you won't get to bed till about eleven. So um, it was it was pretty pretty busy days, but it was it was a cool experience. You know, and in college, you you know you were a Walter Payton Award winner. You were you know uh, back of the year twice from the Touchdown Club of uh, you know Richmond. And all these th- different type of accolades and stuff. What was the biggest thing? I guess you took or, or are taking from your college experience now and and putting it into the NFL. 
Yeah, um, I got asked many times about, you know, how how do you look back on your college career when I was still in college uh, on all those awards that I got. And and my answer for them at that time was, you know, I don't really look at those awards right now. I always feel I can get better at something. And um, I felt like if I I were to look at those awards and be proud of them at that time, um, then I was just kind of settling for for who I was then. But um, when I look back at my college career right now, um, you know, I'm very proud of what I did. But again, there's just still so much more to accomplish at the next level that uh, I'm always trying to get better. You know, Taylor, you're training. I heard you're training with uh, Jeff Garcia. How's that process going? And uh, you know, you guys have similar skill sets and attributes. How has that kind of helped you in learning how to play the position at the NFL level? Yeah, I think he's the ideal quarterback coach for me. Um, you know, he he went through it all. He's he's about my size. Um, he went through a lot. He was a he was a small school quarterback. He did great college, and then. Um, he went to a, I think he went to the East West Iron game as well. And, um, he didn't get drafted. He went to the TFL, played about four or five years there. And then finally got his chance at San Francisco and, um, you know, going out there and, and, and training with him, a lot of the things that he teaches and coaches, um, you know, fit well with, with what I do just because of how similar we are in, uh, in size. So, um, he's helped me a lot, put more zip on the ball and better, uh, better footwork and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I'm going again there Sunday afternoon, be there till about Wednesday to work with him one more time before pro day. So I'm excited about that. Has he told you anything about, uh, you know, he played for the Eagles. Has he told you anything about Philly? No, he hasn't. Um, all you know, all he told me was really about the fans, uh, very passionate fans. Um, and, uh, I've, I've just heard that they love him there. And, uh, you know, you grew up, uh, in Atlanta. Uh, I, I'm going to assume maybe you were a Falcons fan growing up. Is there anybody else that you kind of modeled, uh, your game after growing up and uh, through school? Actually, uh, I was born a Packer fan. My dad hey. was born in Wisconsin, so I'm a big Chiefs fan. And uh, so growing up, you know, I was I was blessed to watch Brett Favre, and uh, that's the reason I love the game of football. Um, watching him play on Sundays, there's no one had more fun out there more than him. So I always had to emulate his play. Um, and, and and obviously, we got blessed with Aaron Rodgers right after that. So. Um, I've always tried to, to emulate whoever the Packers quarterback was, and, and thank God there were uh, two two great ones. Absolutely, and you know, uh, Taylor, we've been asking you know pretty much everybody uh, since they've uh, you know come through here, and a, a lot of different uh, quarterbacks, a lot of different running backs, a lot of different everything. What is what is the one thing you think you can do better than anybody in the QB class? Uh, I think I'm just if you when you put me in the film room and you put me on the board, I feel like I'm smarter than than any other quarterback out there. Um, I feel like I know all my stuff. I, I have the pleasure of making all the protections, uh, check and play the line if I wanted to. Um, I just felt like that, that, that's my strongest suit as a quarterback is just being smart, and uh, I think that's half the battle. Um, and, and, and it showed with, with the inexperience we had this past year going to FBS, our first year in FBS, and um, going to Conference USA, and we, we went 6-6, six and six and you could argue that we should have went eight and four, and for a first year at FBS program in the Conference USA, that's that's unreal. So, um, I think that had a lot to do with with offense, staying in the film room for extra hours, and, and get things done. So, uh, I think that's my strongest asset. Awesome. Well, uh, Taylor Hineke from uh, Old Dominion quarterback. We uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, really good luck to you throughout the rest of the draft uh, draft process, and uh, we'll obviously be rooting for you, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, and once again, a big thank you to uh, Taylor Hineke for uh, sitting down with us. Uh, again, a guy that I think you could develop here. I, I think he's got uh, most of the traits that 
Uh, Chip Kelly's looking for you. You're going to have to draft somebody, and please let it. Don't be Bryce Petty. Uh, so, you know, Jeff Lurie's uh, press conference, it wasn't that much different, but uh, Matt brought up the good point that basically him and Chip are playing hot potato of like, yeah, no, I didn't do this. Uh, he did that. Yeah, I didn't do that. He did this. <laughs> so there was a lot of that going back and forth and some contradictions and all that good stuff. But, um, you know, it's basically just the same kind of bob and weave type of, type of deal. I know a lot of people get upset when uh, they don't talk to the media and they owe it to the fans and blah, blah, blah. But I think that's one of the reasons why they don't do it. Um, you know, any any take on, on that back and forth there, Matt? Uh, yeah, they clearly don't want to say what happened with Howie. Yeah. Uh, and they they keep tossing it back and forth. Oh, you know, I felt it was best, um, but actually Chip asked for it, and Chip's like, I didn't ask for it. Jeff just gave it to me, which, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> just said, like, hey, uh, you want to do more? Jeff was like, yeah, you want to do more? And Chip was like, oh, yeah, Hell well, what yeah, about Howie? <laughs> yeah, and Jeff was like, oh, don't worry about it. And Chip's like, do I get more money? And he's like, no, about Howie does. You know, I don't think that that's really how it worked. Uh, but... Um, I mean, it's clear. It's clear that whatever whatever went down with Howie, uh, it was bad enough that both these guys are willing to fall on the sword um, and both take responsibility for it, while simultaneously not taking responsibility for it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, whatever I whatever happened was bad. That's what. That's all I can really kind of nail in there. I think. Uh, I think it it did it to the point of it being embarrassing. So I I think that's why. That's why you're not going to hear anything about it. That's why you're not going to hear Howie talk or anything like that. Like, there was definitely, uh, whatever you want to call it, power play, you know, something wasn't clicking right. They all had a meeting and said, you know what, kumbaya, this is going to what's, this is what's going to win us the Super Bowl. Whatever it is, I I, I, I don't think it, it was a good thing, no, no matter what. And maybe it reflects poorly on Howie or, or Jeff or, or whatever happened there. But it doesn't, whatever happened, it, it seemed like the rest of the building uh, wasn't too keen on it either. But, yeah, Patrick, anything else that you took away from uh, Jeffrey Lurie's uh, press conference at all? Uh, not especially. I mean, it, it really did seem like they uh, should have had a powwow before this and said, <laughs> I'm going to say this, then you're right, going to say this. Here's the, the, yeah. here's the scoop, like like a defense team or something, like, a, <laughs> like some lawyers or something. Get our friend uh, Dave Mangles in there with him. Yeah. Or Howie Roseman. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems like, I mean, like, there was no, uh, they weren't getting, cops didn't separate them. They've had plenty of time to kind of prepare for this stuff. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, but the the other thing is that's just kind of ridiculous is, is this is how kind of like, you know, there was no Eagles news brewing here. It was just kind of the lead up to everybody knew Chip was going to talk. And then yesterday, and uh, I think it was late in the evening, uh, MLB account had posted a picture of Chip Kelly hanging out at, an Angels game, you know, whatever, hanging out with Mike Trout, and then the next one was like, oh, who's this Who's this chicken that stands with him? And everybody kind of jumped on that. There was tons of blog posts on that. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Like, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? And uh, that, that's all I'll pretty much say about that. But um, besides, obviously, anything big in trading up, um, I don't know if uh, – I'm really not sure if the Eagles are going to stay at 20 regardless. I think there's going to be uh, some targets out there that they'll probably want. I, you know, I know everybody was riding that uh, Trey Wayans bandwagon for a long, 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 long time until all the other trades happened, and that's obviously kind of shifted over more towards wide receiver. Uh, but, you know, Matt, do you have any feelings on what, what would you like them to do uh, if they do have to stay at 20 or around that area? I don't know. I would 
like I've said, I think that they should just stick with a good player. Um, one thing I do see a lot of people talking about is I, I just keep seeing this this idea that like trading back is some is some like magical cure. I think this all started with the Grantland piece, although I've seen it in years past too. Um, there was a Grantland piece about how the Patriots have gotten so good by just trading back, and if you look back at their first round picks in the last few years, they've all been shitty. So I'm not really sure if that's true, but um, they. Um, I just keep seeing people that are like, you know, what would be great is if we traded from 20 to 21 and we picked up three first round picks in the process and then we got <laughs> our guy as well, you know, and then we could maybe take one of those first round picks and trade back and get three more first round picks for it. It's just like, stop. <laughs> it's that's insane. Like you have to realize that if you're trading back, you are getting um, two things. You are getting something that's like a third round pick. Maybe. I mean, if you look at last year, we traded from 22 to 26 and we picked up a third round pick. So, so, you know, the Browns are not the smartest with their, with their assets either. I think if you're looking at trading back in the first round with someone like, um, I don't know, Green Bay or something like that, you're looking at going back, you're dropping back about 10 spots. And what are you getting? You're getting like a third round pick, maybe a third and a fourth round pick. The hell are you going to do with that? And meanwhile, you've missed out on 10 guys. Um, and you could be like, the cover could start to be looking really bare and you could be faced with the, the prospect of taking like a good center or like a less good inside linebacker, you know? And, and then where are you? I just don't know that like, Trading back, this is not like this is not some magical way to to make the team better. It's uh, it's a way to it's a way to miss out on some guys. And if you're taking a calculated risk, uh, that's one thing. And I'm sure I could give you a whole little spiel about the pigeonhole principle. Uh, you should, if you guys want to hear me, in, <laughs> sure. hear me in computer science. Now I want to know what the pigeonhole principle is. Computer science mode. Well, it basically says if you have so many categories and you have more things than that, you're bound to get some overlap. So it's sort of related where, you know, if you are at a place and you're like, I like 12 guys and someone says you want to trade back eight spots, you're like, oh, I'll still have my pick of four of those guys. Um, that's certainly one thing, but I just don't know if that's going to necessarily be in the cards, especially with the draft classes as uh, sort of meh as this one is. Um I just don't think that and, – and again, other teams know this too. They're like, well, you're still going to get your guys, so we're only going to give you you know, a, th- a late third-round pick and not a late fourth-round pick, which again, I don't know if you're really going to get all that jazzed about it. But I just see all these unreasonable things that are like, I'd love to trade back into the early second round and get another second-round pick. Like how does that work? Who has two <laughs> second-round picks to give up? Never. Yeah, exactly. That that's just doesn't – that doesn't – that doesn't that – actually, I don't think that's ever happened. So Yeah, well, and if it has, it's because of like some weird thing like the Armani Edwards trade or some shitty right. thing like that. I mean – you know, this is not this is not reasonable. It's just, so are you going to get on there and you want to say, I'd love to see him trade back, trade back again, trade back again. Before you know it, <laughs> they're going to own the entire second round of the draft. Like, get, you know, get the hell out of here. It's not. happening. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I just don't see I, I don't see him. I don't see him moving back, to be honest. I mean, unless it is literally like a scenario like last year, which I don't think they want. You know, there is there is a, a ton of guys that were in front. And I'll beat that narrative into the ground. But I, I just don't see. I don't see Chip moving back. There's there's no way uh, that he moves back in the first round. Well, I shouldn't say that because anything can happen. But, I mean, literally, if even every other single guy that was there, um, you know, or they know that they can get the guy. Well, see, now I'm already less confident in just what I said. I just don't expect uh, Chip Kelly to to move back this year. Um, I think there's too many, too many different kind of needs uh, in the wide receiving core in for, you know, uh, the offensive lineman, whatever it ends up being, but uh, yeah, I mean, as, speaking of offensive line, I mean, he was he was pretty high on Alan Barber playing guard this year there, Patrick, and I, you know, I guess <laughs> I, I, I I guess uh, I don't know. I think is uh, is I'm kind of warming up more to Jake Fisher at twenty 
and and just doing that sort of type of thing. Um, are you comfortable in that realm, or are you looking more wide receiver? Uh, well, you got to remember that Barbara is one of the few people that's actually gotten an extension under this regime. Ah, yes, good, excellent point. I actually I completely forgot about that. But yeah, I mean, um, you know, Patrick, are you are you okay uh, going offensive lineman there, or is no? I think it's a huge need, especially if you get rid of Evan Mathis. Um, you know, somebody's got to play guard, um, and somebody's going to have to replace. Lane Johnson when he replaces Jason Peters. Um, I think offensive line for what Chip wants to do is is huge. We saw last season what happens when you have an ineffective or injured offensive line. And anyone who thinks that that's a wasted pick or that Chip shouldn't use two first-round picks uh, on on tackles or guards in, in the first three years of his tenure is wrong. Because you have to have you have to have a solid running game and you have to have a specific kind of athlete to play offensive line in the system. Um, so I'm absolutely fine with, with a with a tackle or, or a guy like uh, Fisher to come in here and, and start because Alan Barbray might be a, a Chip Kelly favorite, but um, yeah, we saw him last year, and <laughs> not that he can't get better. Uh, but I'd rather not have to sweat it. Uh, I think we're just going to wrap it up here, guys. Uh, final thoughts here, Patrick. Uh, I would like to spend a moment uh, talking one more thing about uh, the inside linebackers as it pertains to Michael Kendricks. Uh, everybody is talking about, you know, the depth and the numbers factor. You know, there's three starting inside linebackers on this team now and, and uh, you know, two starting spots. I'd also like to remind everyone that Travis Long still exists, uh, and the team was super high on him before he got hurt. Uh, so just kind of keep that in mind when you go into the draft. I would not be surprised if Kendricks gets traded in a in a slightly upgraded version of the Bryce Brown trade last year. Maybe they use him to move up into a into an an earlier pick in the second round or or something like that. Um, but I'm I'm just throwing this out there now that I think Travis Long is going to be. Um, a part of the team's plans for this year and losing Kendricks does not necessarily mean that the inside linebacker depth is going to suffer. Don't forget Travis Long. Don't forget Najee Good. There's another name that uh, not a lot of people forget. So it's, um, yeah, the, the depth is uh, <laughs> surprisingly more uh, depthful, sure, uh, prominent than uh, than a lot of people think. Uh, Matt, final thoughts, bud. Uh, I know you just got done saying this, and I know, well, you know, Jake Fisher, um, they have those advanced uh those advanced, um, what do you call it, athletic metrics? Yes. Uh, where they take guys in, yes. and Jake Fisher came out to be far and away the best athlete in this draft. Um, thought that was really worth noting. Um, you've seen other guys uh, come out in similar years. I think uh, I think I read that Evan Mathis is actually the number one spark athlete in the NFL right now. But um, and I know that we, yeah, but I, I know that we, um, I know we just got done saying that a guard would be great, but I, I would love if they double dipped in wide receiver. Oh, yes. If they, even if they traded up, you know, if you if you come come away from this draft with Devontae Parker and like Philip Dorsett or even like Whoa. Sammy Coates, Whoa. you know, like both of those guys, you know, and you might that might cost you your third and fourth round picks right there. But I don't know, fuck it, like that would be awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm very okay with that. I, I mean, if, if you want to double dip on this, and it seems like it seems like they are well aware that like you could get some really sweet guys, you know, right here. I think that I think that there's 
all the hype that last year got, I think this year might be more deserved because there's some guys in, in this where I'm just like, man, I don't even know. You know, you got seven, eight guys, and I'd love them all on my team, probably for a second round pick at, at least. Yeah, I, I think you almost. I'm I'm with Matt. I think you almost have to double dip at wide receiver here. Um, it's it's a prominent class. I, I would be happy with a lot of different guys. Um, obviously, Philip Dorsett's one of my favorite in this in this draft class. I think if you can pull. Two of those guys and, and Eric Rowe, man, I'm I'm happy. Everything else is fine, whatever at that point. You want to draft Trey Wayans in the first, go ahead. You want to do whatever. If, if you have those three guys, to me, I think the draft is already pretty much a win, um, and you can figure out the rest later. But um, And, hey, I would like to add to that, too. If you end up, like Matt said, if you end up with Devontae Parker and Philip Dorsett, uh, Riley Cooper maybe be your – fifth best receiver at that point <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that's fine and that's that that he can spend his last year doing that making you know five million bucks or whatever it is i think that's you, you know you put you put that together and now your wide receiving core is jordan matthews josh huff Devonte parker philip dorsett that's that almost starts sounding ridiculous if that all kind of pans out how we think it should and darren so. sproles and Dar- yeah plus the backfield that that is already already there and maybe slightly overpaid and all that other stuff but um you know i guess that's the only thing i'll i'll say about the the press conference of just like oh you know shady wasn't really uh this the the preferred style of runner that that uh, Kelly wanted and Kelly refuted that it's complete uh, BS. Like of, of course he, he wanted some, that difference. I mean, you've got uh, four of them in the backfield right now. So um, the, the negative plays, all that stuff that everything that everybody bitched about, about why didn't you hand off at the goal line in San Francisco and all this other stuff? Why didn't you pick up a yard? Why don't you do all this stuff? They couldn't, they couldn't do that. They didn't have the one, two type of type of thing. So I I feel like the run game is going to be much more prominent this year if everyone stays healthy, and, and that's a, obviously a big question mark. Um, but, yeah, you start to get a little more excited about Sam Bradford. Oh, God, I can't believe I just said that. Being, being here, if those pieces are in place, because if the offensive line is, which, remind everybody, is still good, even if uh, Evan Mathis, yes, that's a big blow, but I, I have a feeling that he's going to stick around now uh, I, I don't think they'll be able to trade him, and I think it would be really stupid if they just outright cut him. So uh, if you have those things in place and then you just have Tobin or, uh, you know, Barbray in there, that's a pretty dangerous offense. Um, but, I, I, you know, obviously it's all offseason champion stuff, and I'm not going to get too excited. But it, it's, it's more promising to me, and I'm going to use one of Matt's lines here, a lot more promising uh, than watching Nick Foles just, you know, doing what he does. It's a great exit strategy, and it's more entertaining to watch and all that stuff. So um, a lot of question marks whether it's going to work or not, and that's still an ongoing process through all this. I I like where this is going so far. So we'll we'll have to uh, obviously uh, keep checking in on that. Uh, for uh, myself, John Barcher, for Patrick Wall, for Matt Daring, we want to thank you all for listening to BGN Radio episode Number 92 right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network.